0: Welcome to another episode of Talking Pollocks with me, Howard H. Smith, your host. That's right, I am your host. I am lead singer with UK Thrash band Acid Rain. I do that there stand-up comedy. Uh, I do another podcast called The Reducer, uh, with two uh, comedy writing mates. I also do the Motorhead, official Motorhead podcast, The Motorcast. Um, And I dance this here podcast as well, as you well know, because here you are so welcome congratulations you have got hold of the latest episode well right now as i speak the latest episode of talking bollocks hello welcome one welcome all welcome back if you uh a regular listener and welcome for the first time if you're not. So um, here's how it usually works. I pile into a review of the news, which is me just jibber-jabbering about it, and then we do an interview. And you know what? This episode is going to be no different. That's how we're going to start. But before I kind of fully start the news, right? I am on a famous heavy metal news website as we speak, Okay, Now, I'm going to read out the stories um, and, well, basically who or roughly what the stories are about. And let's see if you can pick up a trend here. So, here we go. LA Guns announced new drummer. Peter Criss and Ace Freely from For Me of Kiss Story about Jimi Hendrix Def Leppard Poison Gene Simmons Halloween Metallica Last in Line Ex-Ozzy Osbourne bassist Phil Susan By the way, he's completed his autobiography So that should be pretty cool Def Leppard Megadeth, Deep Purple, Journey, Cannibal Corpse, yes, Dev Leopard, and then finally Decapitated, a relevant band, a contemporary band with a new album coming out. I mean, fucking hell! What is you know what is wrong with the state of music when it's just just a list? of frankly quite a few artists who were passed the sell by date many many years ago i mean that is you know that is harsh ultimately um and funnily enough one of the very first stories i'm going to i'm going to uh, talk about is um a bit of an oldie but anyway yeah it was just kind of like i don't know you know is it is it just is it just us oldies that are interested in old bands and that's you know that's why the news is like that i haven't got a fucking clue Really, really weird. But there you go. Anyway, let's crack on with the news. First bit of news. Holy Diver Super Deluxe Edition to include new mix, previously unreleased outtakes, live recordings and rarities. Boom. Roddy James Deer would have been 80 years old in July the 10th, A month the greatest heavy metal singers of all time, without fucking doubt. Holy Diver was certified platinum, Um uh, and a certified a platinum smash and one of the last singer songwriters uh, most groundbreaking achievements um doesn't say one of the last no one of his most groundbreaking achievements okay that's great okay let's just get on with it shall we uh four cd box set um which at the moment is priced at 59.98 that's dollars It comes with two versions of Holy Diver. The first is a new mix of the album made by Joe Beresi, Tool, Queens of the Stone, he's a fucking awesome producer. He used the original analogue tapes to remix all nine tracks on the album. The second is a newly remastered version of the original 1983 mix. The Super Deluxe Edition also features unreleased live performances and outtakes, along with a selection of rarities from the era. Raze's new mix of Holy Diver title track is available today digitally as a preview to the new album mix. Check it out below. So, uh, unfortunately, we can't check it out below because, um, well, you know, I haven't got the rights. But also, um, video not available um, is the only thing that's being displayed on the video, so I'm not even going to give you a link to it. So there you go. Um, that was a non-event, wasn't it? But I tell you what, the 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 Holy Diver book looks fucking awesome. It really does. Four CDs, full-on artwork from the you know, which is legendary from that album. So um, and there's also there's also vinyl as well. I should throw that out there. Um, there's uh, clear vinyl. Um, and there is also, um, there's also, um, uh, an etching on one of the sides as well. So there you go. And tons of, I mean, I, look, I'd read out all of the extras, but there is just too many. Well, there's a live show from 1983 and then there's, um, uh, a, a bunch of remixes and stuff. Um, uh, but there's 10 tracks there. Certainly looks worthwhile. And you know what? Whilst reading this new story, I'm thinking I might have to get this. I mean it's it's it is one of the very first metal albums that i bought um and yeah it is rocking that is awesome anyway next up is one of the many reasons why gene hoglan moved on from testament um uh, you know I've, I've spoken to gene a lot over the years as you know and he i know he loves doing death clock shows he absolutely fucking Loves doing Death Clock shows because um, I remember saying I said to him, "It's like oh, you really enjoy doing him." He was like, "Dude, last time I played with Death Clock, do you know who supported us? Mastodon." And I was like, "Fucking hell!" He was like, "Yeah, exactly, fucking hell." <laughs> so I, I, I have to do the voice. I'm sorry, but I have to do the voice. Anywho, um, yeah. Um, there's going to be more. There's going to be live dates coming, across, uh, coming up in North America from Death Clock. Um, first shows in three years. So, yeah, I'm sure that formed part of one of the reasons why um, Gene moved on from Testament. There you go. I mean, I'm speculating. I don't know. I haven't spoken to him directly about it. So don't quote me on that, motherfuckers. <laughs> Next up. Oh, hang on a second. I am do- going to do a proper cough. <coughs> And yes, I could pause and I could edit it out, but then it wouldn't be talking bollocks. It would just be another sanitised professional podcast and who the fuck wants that, eh? Now, this next story, I don't know, have you ever done something, right, back in the day, like in your early years, um, and it's it, it's gone on to be really successful without you, but you know you still kind of hang on to right what i'm getting to is original acdc singer dave evans to release new single guitar man in june okay um, and a, an amazing amazing heavy metal picture of the man himself um i mean the picture is the, the picture is actually very metal indeed <laughs> It really is. Um, you know, it's huge. I mean, you'd, you'd look at it and you go, fuck me, who is that absolute rock star there? And then someone nudges you and goes, that's, uh, don't you know, that's Dave Evans. And you go, who? And they go, that's Dave Evans. And you go, who? And they go, that's Dave Evans. And you go, who the fuck is Dave Evans? And eventually they get to, well... He was, he was in, well, he was in, he was in ACDC, right? And he recorded their first two singles, Can I Sit Next to Your Girl and Baby Please Don't Go. But then, less than a year after their first gig, he was booted out and replaced by Bon Scott. Right, so that is his entire time in the band. Less than a year... And that was in uh, 1974. Okay, I was four years old. I'm now 52. So he was four. This is 48 years ago, and he is still managing to trade off that. you got to remember that Bon Scott did a lot of the songs that I already did, like Please Baby Don't Go. We already did. Yeah, so what? That's the song that the I got, Angus, up on my shoulders. And of course, he used to watch us doing our show, so he copied that. Well, it had become a thing, hadn't it? I understand that he copied what I was doing, and and the songs too, and recorded them and rewrote the lyrics to some of the songs that I already put down. Right, OK, so the band were going to do the songs anyway. The new singer came in, changed the lyrics to make them more him. But he was told to do that. I know that he was under instructions to do this, but I don't really hold it against Bon for that. That's so good of you to not hold it against that guy who's been dead all these years and was a fucking legend and nobody knows who the fuck you are. But anyway, that's really good of you. Because when he joined the band, he was washed up at the time and he got a great chance to do something. And he did do too. He did a great job, but his lifestyle just let him down. That's that's really nice, isn't it? That's not particularly classy. He was washed up. Yeah, fuck this guy. Yeah, fuck fucking fuck Dave Evans. I apologise. I should never have mentioned it. There's me going on about him fucking pinching a living by just constantly mentioning that he used to be in ACDC. Oh, and then I've read out. And then I've read out the bloody article, haven't I? Like a dick. Right. Anyway, Rush's Geddy Lee and Alex Lifeson watched Primus perform a farewell to Kings in its entirety in Toronto. And they had an absolute blast. They really enjoyed it. And how cool is that? Hey, Isn't that lovely? I mean, that must have been an absolute mindfuck for them. It really must. But, um... Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, I can't imagine Primus actually... I haven't watched it because I have been told that it's a bit... It's a bit odd, their version. But anyway... Um... Uh, Rush took, well, the remaining members took to Instagram to say, on Friday night, we had the joyful experience of reuniting with our grand pals from Primus, Les, Le and Herb and their gang. We sat side stage as they immaculately immaculately worked through a cool uh, selection of classic Primus tunes, which brought back fond memories of our touring together back in the early 90s. Then we were treated to the weird and wonderful experience of watching them perform our music. A farewell to Kings in its entirety. Totally nailed it. They did us proud, and we thanked them deeply for the tribute and the lasting friendship. Isn't that nice? Les Claypool said, I was one of those guys as a high schooler sitting in the audience, knowing every single note. Rush fans are very scrutinising. They'll tell you, uh, we were one of the only bands accepted by the Rush crowd back in the day when we were touring with them. That being said, it's very precious to a lot of people. We're taking it very seriously. I'll tell you, we've never rehearsed as a band this much in our lives as we did for this Rush thing. We're doing it as close as we possibly can to the way they would do it. I've got to say, that can't be vocally, can it? I mean, that just cannot be vocally. Um, he went on to say, there's usually like four or five people scattered towards the front who are into it. That's Rush fans. They're seeing all the words and some of them get teared up. It's pretty amazing. I know for me as a teenager, Rush was a big part of me in starting out as a musician. And I see these people all these years have been so devoted to that band to have people that experience this is very endearing. Oh, again, in no, nice no, kind of heartwarming story, really. This is turning into heartwarming bollocks. Yeah. Going to change this up. Actually, it's not. It's going to get even more heartwarming. This is the... Well, this is the massive story that's kind of not a massive story, but is a massive story. Um, Metallica's James Hetfield gets emotional at Brazilian concert, receives group hug from his bandmates. Um, Now, ultimately, it would be nice if we lived in a world where this wasn't actually a big deal and where a... um, uh, a man at work in any situation can just turn around to people around him and tell him how he's feeling and they're there for him. Unfortunately, we do not live in a um, a world like that just yet. We may never, but who knows? Anyway, the point is, um, before he went to work, he turned around to his workmates and said that he wasn't feeling very good. And they all they all, you know, help. See him through his shift and then <laughs> you see where I'm, where I'm going with this. Um, and then he decided to tell the crowd that you know that had what happened and how he was feeling. And again, I mean, what a brilliant example of talk about your feelings. You know, I mean, it is so Metallica. Hetfield goes and does it to like fifty thousand people. You know, people, you know, open up a bit, talk to people about how you're feeling. Hetfield, fifty thousand people, does it, and it's like, wow. If he can do it in front of an entire crowd, surely. Surely I can do it, you know, to, to to one individual. Hopefully that is the effect that this, you know, this might have had on some people. The irony that he was about to go into, sad but true, you know. Um, unfortunately, yeah, you know. He is not in a very good place at the moment, you know, and that is sad, but true. But uh, it was it was really interesting for those of you that don't know. I will. I'll read a transcript, a transcript of what was said. Um, I've got to tell you, I wasn't feeling very good before I came out here. I was feeling a little bit insecure, like I'm an old guy. I can't play anymore. All that bullshit that I tell myself in my head. So I talked to these guys and they helped me as simple as that. They gave me a hug and said, hey, if you're struggling on stage, we've got your back. And I tell you, it means the world to me At that point, all three of James's bandmates Approached the singer and once again gave him A heartfelt hug and a group hug With Hepfield visibly touched by the gesture He then one, once again Addressed the audience telling them You see, <laughs> and seeing you out there I am not alone I am not alone and neither are you I mean that is That is Fucking powerful stuff Man, that really Really is um and just reading it out I've got to say I didn't think that 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 would have any effect on me at all but just reading that out it really that that felt really really touching and you know what an example that man is to to everybody you know it doesn't matter what kind of music you like or what walk of life you're in dude's just a Great example. You know, yeah, yeah, I know. If you're an animal lover, you're probably saying there's things about Hatfield that you don't like. Fine. But ultimately, what a dude. And finally, finally, (laughs) this story. Mark Tremonti on Creed Reunion. We just have to wait till the time is right. And... Howard's input, hopefully, that time never comes, okay? Nobody needs to hear Arms Wide Open live ever again. Or your other great songs. Oh, that's right, no, it's just Arms Wide Open, isn't it? That's fucking it, yes. Because like a fucking idiot, I once fell for fucking Creed, didn't I? Yep, total mistake. Bought the album. Heard Arms Wave. Oh, this is really good. Bought the album. And then, of course, I got started looking at lyrically and real. what the hell is all this about? Oh, good Lord, what have I been sold? The Chris... Yeah, yeah singer, big old Christian. Anyway. Fucking hell. No, Creed, not needed. Don't ever need to come back. They, they've done what they've done. Thank you very much, Creed. Now, be off with you. Thank you. Anyway, guys, it is now time for interview. And as you already know, it is with the lovely gentleman that is Scott Holderby of Mordred. Scott and I go back quite a bit. Scott's been on the podcast a number of times. He did the he did the live um, Acid Rain Saturday night show when I was doing those on the Acid Rain page during lockdown. Um, And he's just an all round top, top, dude he even jumped on this zoom a little bit early um, which suited us both because um, well i wanted to watch the champions league final and he wanted to leave to go and do his gig so it was all good anyway here we are having a chat oh by the way oh excellent i actually remembered is that the video of this is on the talking bollocks youtube channel there will be a link in the description just click on that if you want to go and watch it instead of listen or you can just listen here Now, I'm going to take an absolute flyer. I've got some kind of memory of you being a Liverpool fan. Is that, am I, am I making that up?
1: (laughs) Well, um, no, no, I actually do like Liverpool.
0: Ah, right. Okay. I I thought so. I don't know why.
1: The reason I bring it up is because
0: the Champions League final kicks off in, um, uh not very long um which is obviously liverpool against real madrid and um uh yeah for some reason i was thinking i don't know i I like do i remember seeing you a liverpool shirt did we have a conversation about football or something
1: well not just that fact that i roll with a big old gang of liverpuglian scouse brothers and sisters right (laughs) but also um yeah i was uh turned on to liverpool about maybe 88 89 right and um uh i guess there was such passion and such love for that team and i was kind of new to to the uk to britain yeah and um so i it's easy to get caught up in that um that love and uh you know i'll never walk alone
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely man it's um it's it's tribal it's it's full-on you know it's, it's full-on tribal
1: um, right and you know I do know people from Liverpool that are Evertonians right and yeah. it's it's a little I I know it tastes a little bit funny that I that I'm like you know I love Liverpool they're like why not Everton well, why <laughs> Scotty what's wrong with the blue <laughs> <laughs> oh yes you
0: you're clearly a man who has spent time in the UK yeah <laughs> so um so look anyway tangents aside um congr- uh, congrats on the album dude i mean last time oh, you thank spoke, you you know with the ep was out but now you've got the album out you're playing gigs talk to me man it's it must feel awesome
1: it's it's really nice for one thing to be able to have that off the plate and be done with it because it really was a long time in the uh, the writing and recording process yeah and the album it has, you know, it's, it's amount of songs on it, but we have like double that amount of songs that we didn't record and, uh, or, you know, for various reasons that really after so many years of not writing together um, it took us a while to get, to be able to do, to, you know, to get into the, like, how do we do it together? What's the process? Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, I, I've been in lots of other bands and the other guys too, Uh, different processes with different bands. Sometimes you write music and then you write lyrics to the music. Sometimes you write a song with the lyrics completely written out and you have melodies and you come up with the music afterwards. There's all these, sometimes it's a, it's a cross of, of both. You might have part of it and then you need to create the other part to write the melodies, to put on the vocal and, you know, the most important part, the vocal. Oh, obviously. Say so, so that's why, agree, that's why ing- that,
0: yeah, that's why we always go on last. That's why the vocals
1: are the last. They save the best till last. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So we're in agreement. That's good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. It's the vocalists union here, isn't it? You know, that's right, bro yeah absolutely <laughs> but also it's the it but also for that same reason you know you're under a lot of pressure as as somebody once said to me right it's just up to you to sp- it's you know everyone else is uh delivered it's just up to you to sprinkle a bit of metal magic over this now and I was like oh no pressure thank you
1: <laughs> well that's how they put it over there sprinkle a little metal madness. for here it's like just now it's up to you to sell the emotion of what I'm trying to convey. If I'm doing, you know, one of Danny's songs or something, it's like, so this is the feeling that I want to get across and you have to bridge the emotional gap between audience and band standing, you know, on, on the stage or, you know, in your listening environment and in your house, you know, could be, but definitely live is where it's at because I know you know your band great recordings um great songs but really you need to see acid rain live to fully get what's going on and the songs make sense and everything makes sense because there's so much of a a intense live show I guess you'd say it's like a lot of energy in the presentation of the the tunes and yeah. your band in general and just H as a man.
0: <laughs> oh, stop it. I'm supposed to be interviewing you and all of that is like, you know, I I'd say about about Mordred as well, because like live um, uh, those songs, especially when you, you know, when you play the old stuff, it's like, you know, they've they've grown and morphed in, in, you know, there's room in, in parts of the song that they never used to be. And, you know, you're it's um
1: it's all it's all about
0: the life isn't
1: it you know ultimately it it really ultimately is um that's why we record that but you know the the recording part for me is actually where i dig in and get down i did a lot of years of working in recording studios so i have a lot of so it's the same as if you were a chef or you know, you used to be a chef, but now you're not, but now you're doing some sort of cooking event or, you know, say you used to be a contractor or a carpenter or whatever, and you're building something from this knowledge that you had, um, but you may not be currently a contractor. So it's, for me, it's just like, I get so much love and enjoyment out of being a musician during the time of the recordings. So, you know, I, I love like, all the little weird things that you add that become off <laughs> yeah. panned off here and there yeah. in the in the yeah. recording and
0: well, yeah we you know. we always say that this the stuff that only five percent of people will notice
1: but yeah when, but every but, little every little sprinkle of the dust that you're talking about yeah yeah it's fairy dust for you it's it's voodoo <laughs> dust for us <laughs> we get it from marie Laveau down in new orleans and she sends some graveyard <laughs> dirt and uh some voodoo <laughs> dust and we just sprinkle that right on there
0: um i i bet you do as well uh <laughs> i'm um yeah i i mean it's, you know it it's funny you say that that you know it, it's it's you know it's fairy dust for us it's voodoo it's voodoo dust for you don't you think it don't you, don't you find it um oh this is going to sound awkward isn't it it's, it's really rewarding when you when you meet inverted commas a fan a listener a follower um and they go oh you know on that song i love that stuff that you've got like you've buried down there and you're oh, like man. and you're like i love that dude that it, makes it, it was all there worth it, for you doesn't <laughs> yeah doesn't it if
1: what just one person <laughs> well it's it let's not lie though it's there for us it's there yeah. for our we we as uh you know i guess like writers and and recorders i don't know <laughs> <laughs> we we have to keep it interesting and and fun for ourselves and so if we can do anything clever you know that's yeah. you know you don't want to be too clever because that could wreck a song too but you know what yeah. i'm talking about you have to absolutely, have something yeah. that makes you excited about playing the song because like like i was saying we have to not sell it but we have to convey the emotion that the song is trying to bring across yeah so that's yeah. what's up yeah absolutely absolutely and i i
0: i really enjoyed that that you know that the studio part of that, where it's, you know, you're, you're getting in the mindset of, you know, of a song and it's about, you know, making sure that that, that the themes are right, that, you know, your approach is
1: right, you know, and And the delivery too, right? I mean, there's there's different ways you can deliver something. And I actually, you know, that, that record that we were talking about, the dark parade, I recorded it. I had it all done. Danny had gone somewhere because he and I were doing it together, doing all the overdubs together. Um, We just did the drums in a studio. So everything else, you know, basically on Danny's laptop, we recorded everything. Uh, So he had left his laptop with me for a weekend, I think, or a a few days, whatever it was. And um, my brother-in-law came over. We had been using these old Neve preamps that had been taken out of a board. Yeah. Um, Yeah. He brought over this compressor and I was not compressing to tape or compressing to the to the uh, the, the Pro Tools machine. Yeah. Um, and I did one track with, you know, I think I had most of it done, one track I did, and I did it with this compressor. And I was yeah. like, "Oh shit, I have to record the whole record over again now. Yeah. So when Danny comes home, he's like, "Oh, Oh, oh! You did a new vocal on this one, okay? And then he goes to the next song. And goes, oh! You did a new. I basically recorded the whole record again. Wow! <laughs> Just wow! Just because I was like, I really like how this compressor is going down, and and so, um so I was really, you know, able to kind of tweak with what I wanted to do, and it, it, when yeah. you get to be able to do that, you can kind of test out like oh, maybe I want to sing this sort of more like Elvis, more like James <laughs> Brown, more like, you know, I mean, not like I'm going to be able to imitate either of those two, but you kind of have a style that you're going for. Yes. Yeah. Or Phil Lanotte would be my yeah. other big, you know, go-to kind of, um, you know, emulating that yeah. sound. Uh, it, I mean, to me, that's the greatest hard rock band of all time. And I know that says a lot because there are some great ones, but it's the whole package. It's it's the... Um, f- I'll start off with what I think it's it's the vocals. It's the songwriting, the lyrics, the delivery of the lyrics, and of course the guitar, the bass, and, and then the personality of Phil delivering yeah. everything. But the songwriting is just... You know, I'm really, really respectful of David Bowie, Robert Smith. There's just some great, great songwriters, and Phil Lynott is a true troubadour.
0: Well, I I have to say um, that that I've got to pick you up on one thing, and the, and I've got to pick you up on this other. Dan, otherwise, this is to stop Danny kicking your ass. But you mentioned that? you you mentioned every member of uh, of Thin Lizzy except the drums. Oh. <laughs> pardon me yeah
1: <laughs> because without the drums as the foundation and and really i mean i spend every day hanging out with our drummer we work yeah. together we yeah. practice together we're going to france together i mean pretty much like Drum, drummers, and, drummers and singers
0: man drummers and singers lars and yeah. james you know it yeah. is it, it there is a there's a definite um there's a definite connection because there's there's a kind of madness to what we both do Do you know what I mean? It's like what we do and what drummers do. It's kind of fucking all over the place and up for interpretation. (laughs) Yeah. But, 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 but everybody else, whoa, you got your notes and you
1: better play them. And if you play them even slightly wrong, it will suck. That is so true. But, But, But you know, really the drums sort of are, are, are in that category too because well, they, keeping, they have to the be ring, a yeah. certain they have to do a certain thing every time or it'll throw off the whole machine yeah. so but they're imagine but, like a lot of cogs in a machine the drums are definitely that gigantic sprocket that that runs and then everything else runs off the bass runs off that well let's face it bar. if
0: if if the if band is a house Right. Then let's go. Drums uh, are the um foundations. Yeah. Your guitars, your bass are your walls, your doors, your windows,
1: and the singers a roof. Because without I was waiting for it. I'm like, what are we, bro? Oops, yeah. I like I love doing the analogy. So I mean for me it's like <laughs> I'm I'm waiting to, so what is the singer? No, we're like we're like the windows in the paint. <laughs> <laughs> with a with a garden the trim we're the trim yeah, and <laughs>
0: yeah with a rotten old shed at the end of the garden
1: <laughs> oh shit yeah where you park your car <laughs> that's it yeah you got, a com- it.
0: you got a compost heap at the end of the garden for ex-band members you know we don't they, they you know we don't kick them out we just recycle them
1: yeah know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> i like it well hey when you build when you build this house, H, I will come. I will I, come.
0: We'll have we will have two roofs. <laughs> yes, um, sir. So I look. I I looked at this picture of you um, on Instagram the other night. It appeared on my feed, and uh-huh. um, and it's it, it you know it's another band you do. Um, right. So so you know a lot of people won't realise that. So if I hope you don't mind, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put some. I'll probably put some shots of. You know that you've put on Instagram. I'll put those out with the podcast because um, it's a whole different thing, isn't it? Thank is you fine. very much. Cool, Thank you. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Yeah, it's a it's a totally different thing. Um, as a as a youngster, I grew up listening to a lot of uh, Western swing with my grandparents, and my grandfather was the first person to put a guitar in my hands. Can you just speak, can me. I can I just
0: stop you there for, yeah. for for purely for my benefit because I'm from the UK. Um, And a bit stupid.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Please. Uh, uh,
0: What is Western swing?
1: Oh, you don't know the... Okay, so... um, From the 30s, 40s, into the 50s, there was a real big movement in the United States uh, for swing music. You know, everything from, you know, uh, Tommy Dorsey, all the way over. So... The same style of music was done with a sort of a Western flair. So right. if you okay. could imagine like a sort of a Hank Williams kind of sound with, you know, uh, like more orchestrated orchestral type thing, because they, they would be uh, like, you know, clarinet, uh, trumpet, uh, piano, uh, uh, Hawaiian steel and you know various like fiddle maybe mandolin wow. that sounds banjo like a, whatever
0: that sounds like a real hybrid genre
1: it is it is so they're playing like jump rhythms um you know like you would hear freddie green or or like you know one of the one of the players from back in the day you know hitting in like you know count basie's but they're doing these kind of rhythms with a sort of a western flair to it Right. So, um, you know, so the singing would be a little more or less like, you know, uh, just for lack of people's understanding, like Hank Williams, although Hank would be considered more like folk music and Western swing, um, right. it, it's what led to rockabilly, uh, one of the things that led to it, uh, just like jazz led to soul music, you would say, or R and B, um, You know, that led to like your Elvis, Johnny Cash kind of era, right? uh, which happened in like in the early 50s and stuff. So what happened was I, you know, grew up loving rockabilly and and Western swing and early, um, you know, folk music like that through my Okie family side. Um, Years later, my grandparents passed away. Um, Years later, I was painting a house for Lady Rhoda and she came out the side of the house and she says uh oh i used to play in a band back in 48 and 50 and wow said, i got i got a cd you want to hear it And i'm like popping in let's hear yeah, it yeah that's how, and, how uh, awesome is that and it was really really good a lot of times people give you a cd i'm not gonna lie it's not always like mind-blowingly good but it's this usually was like-
0: shitty it's usually shitty
1: I don't want to judge because, you know, everyone's vision can be different. And maybe I don't get it, but I I got this one. I was like, damn, this is some Hank Williams level kind of stuff. What are you doing with these songs? She's like doing you want to come upstairs and play them. And I'm like, yeah. So we we started playing them and I didn't fully understand the style when I first got the guitar in my hands and I didn't play guitar i um i played bass for many years but i haven't played the guitar since i was a youngster yeah so she put the guitar in my hand and she's 89 now so this happened a couple of years ago right um and she hadn't played since the 80s so she pulls out her martin guitar and i have you know my little guitar and we start going at it. And after a couple of times of playing together, I'm like, this, this is really, really good. So I got um, like my bro from high school uh, that plays um, doghouse bass, Hank. Um, I called him up and I said, Hey, um, come over. We gotta, we gotta do this thing. he's like, okay, great. He brings his bass over and he's like, Oh man, this is going to be good. And we're like, Rhoda, let's make a band. He's like, she's like, yeah, let's do it. So, I mean, long story short, wow. we make this, she's got <laughs> material um, from her brothers, her brothers and her her brothers had passed away now, but they had recorded this stuff between 48 and 53, probably. Yeah. And they were the backup band for the Blackjack Wayne show, which is a TV show that happened around here in the 50s, where Johnny Cash would come on without his band. They would be the backup band. Um, wow. George Jones, whoever um, yeah. he was big at the time. So there was all this history. There was all these songs. So we just started playing, and Danny um was second call I made. Danny White from Mordred, which it seems strange, but Danny and I have gone off from Mordred and done a couple of different projects that were completely, completely out of the the whole zone of Mordred. So back in the day, we had uh, the Church of the Grand Funk when we played with this these really, really incredibly good funk players. And we were just novices at the time and and it was good because that's how you learn how to do something. And you don't, you think that you could just jump off and do something and it's just gonna sound like it great and real, but there even something that might be kind of simple has its nuances and has its flavors. And so with with soul music over the years, it's taken a lot of years to be able to understand, um, you know, exactly the, the vibe and the flavors. Yeah. Um, and then with the Western swing, though, it was totally natural. And it, it was just like it happened very quickly. And then we just started writing our own songs that sound old timey and kind of have a little bit of a gypsy jazz influence which they didn't do that. I heard so much in Western swing, but they were grabbing from the stuff that they, they might not have known that the gypsy jazz was happening because there was no internet back then. And so they were grabbing locally from what they have, which was blues, of course, because, you know, coming from the South, um, picking styles and, and a lot of styles. I mean, and really like most, american folk music it was invented by black people even even western swing and because all the aspects of it existed it was just assembled in a way and presented in a way that became country music later but much later like you wouldn't even hear that term till the 60s i'd say probably Maybe late fifties, but, right. um, and as you can tell by just the way I'm going off about the subject, it was a hey. quick question. I have no, a real passion for it and I feel like though. I'm carrying on a tradition. Yeah. That, first of all, my grandfather who played also would be proud of, but it's just, you know, this, this, there are some great things about this country that we live in. And that's one of them is, is the music yeah. and the traditions yeah. and and a lot of the things, you know, there's a lot of racist history in especially the United States in the South, but also poor people mixed it up on porches and there was an exchange of ideas and picking styles yeah. and chords and approach and flavor. And that is what became the beautiful kind of when you know the the styles that came from jazz really yeah jazz i don't know if jazz or blues was first because blues was created as a call and response from field workers from west africa but um
0: but all of this all of this is is kind of like the perfect background to explain Mordred, you know, because it you know d- don't sound like anyone else, bought a bunch of different influences together. Um, but also I just wanted to pick up and go back on something you said earlier because it really resonated with me, and that was when you said carrying on um a tradition that your that you know that your grandfather um had had been doing. And and I would imagine that's that is a really rewarding kind of feeling because something like Mordred you know putting myself in your shoes as a singer in a band you know you're you're constantly looking to break the walls down and do something new and create things that are original which is wonderful but you're being a trailblazer you know you're at the front of the queue but and to get that kind of to get that uh, reward of of following in someone's footsteps and keeping something alive is almost like the opposite but as just as a rewarding experience, but a different feeling, I would imagine.
1: You know, um, now I haven't really thought about it like that, but you're pretty on point with the reason why Mordred sounds different is because we all individually have a lot of different musical influences. And you bring elements of everything you know to the table when you create something like for Mordred. For instance, the song "The Dark Parade" is a lot of sort of a a New Orleans vibe um, yeah. kind of drum beat and all the stuff built around it, it, you know, kind of you know it's it's a little bit like I was talking about that early jazz kind of thing. and that it, it's just it, to be able to to do that and to be able to express the feeling. Cause I I know I keep going back to that, but really for me, the most important music is something that makes you feel something. So if you, if you want to cry, if you want to feel, you know, happy and, and triumphant or, whatever your mood your feeling or whatever, there is something Absolutely like for you. Well, well that's and, why,
0: that's why the, that's why the biggest insult is when someone says, you know, you know, I'd never want somebody to say about my music. Oh, it's all right.
1: Oh, or like, okay. I'm, I'm not really it's feeling like, that dude.
0: Yeah. I'd, I'd like, I I'd like hate it. That's fine. Love it. That's fine. But like a reaction, you know, <laughs> <laughs> any reaction is better than no reaction. Yeah. I because that. that's feeling it's,
1: it's funny though. I don't know if you've come to this place, but... We've been doing this for quite a while. You and I both, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And yeah. we've probably experienced many—not every disappointment you could imagine—but we've experienced a few disappointments. So, and we've heard it all in respect to ourselves and our band, and and reviews, good and bad, and,
0: and our and our own particular skills. We've both we've our, both, we both our, had plenty of people comment on those. Oh
1: yeah, and like my own level of of skills is often uh, discussed as well and uh but shit where was i going with this <laughs> I, 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 I,
0: I, what, what you were saying what you were saying is that is that um the whole you know the, the whole mordred thing you know is where we started or that mixture of yep. all of those influences um and that's everybody... my lawyer
1: h right there and he's gonna be speaking <laughs> for me from here forward okay folks <laughs> He's got a lot more purdy words than I do.
0: <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, look, you, you you were saying that like we've we've kind of had a lot of disappointments over the years we've seen it. You know, we've seen a lot of stuff.
1: Right. But there was a point I was going to make. And that's the problem. Oh, that's cool. Don't well, smoke weed, kids. Don't. Do yeah. It.
0: Yeah. That's that. that this is like
1: term. it's
0: two, two, two old guys struggle, struggle to keep each other in the same conversation. <laughs> unfortunately, <much>. yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what point you were going to make. Um,
1: but one thing—oh, I, d- I, I know what it was. We're going to be—we're going to be in France uh, at, at oh, wow. on the seventeenth. Oh, that's man. the point of all that. Really wasn't, but <laughs>
0: uh, like, Oh, are you? And is there any way that you're going to be able to play some shows around that? Uh, is it, you know? No. Nope. No,
1: um we talked about it and yeah. then um we were just like um let's have a vacation. Let's just go over there and play and hang out in France and bring our wives and Lovely. Um,
0: what a you great know, idea. What a great a idea. thing. Uh
1: we had talked about playing a show in Paris with Stevie and Akira. They're going to actually just meet us down there and we're going to have dinner and and probably get chucked out of France after we're done. Um because you know those guys are pretty rowdy and and yeah. the Mordred guys are for our age um, we still <laughs> cut it up like we were their age <laughs> you say he's
0: still holding up your end
1: yeah you know you get the full experience with us you know it's you know the the full on live show and then afterwards the pub and the jamesons
0: absolutely yeah i've i've, I've seen this i've seen this <laughs> uh, you know take place this uh, he's uh, he's telling the truth viewers listeners a
1: spectacle
0: <laughs> ever so slightly yeah ever so slightly. but you've been um, you've been getting out on the road um and, and playing some shows for um for the dark parade which is you know i, yeah. I am so pleased feels for you yeah.
1: yeah it feels really good and You know, when you play these, like we're playing like festivals here and there. Yeah. When you play them, you always expect that, you know, we throw in a couple of uh, or more than a couple songs off our new record. You always expect people to be like, ah, I just wanted to hear record one, maybe one or two songs off record two, definitely nothing off of the EP. And then um, what are you doing throwing these new songs on there? What? What? But when we played them, people actually commented on the fact that we were playing them like that's weird that you played that one it's so great to hear it live and you know because we played the dark parade which seems kind of like how do you do that live but yeah and uh, you know for me i'm like it's weird i don't know how are people going to react but people seem to like it so
0: well look i've got to be honest with you um it was i was interested like because you were obviously like mimicking the kind of thing that you hear a lot which is like you know first album yay second album eh, ep and and i'd like to say that um as as somebody who was a fan of yours from the first album i thought you got better and better i think i think in uh, i think this life absolutely kicks the ass out the first album um and and then the ep i was like okay this is slightly different but this is really really cool i'm like i'm all in for where this goes next um so as a listener i had the same arc as the band you know whereas i think whereas i think a lot of people who were bang into thrash got it got into the first album and it's like i could see who you I, how I, but i could kind of i knew what kind of band you were from the first album the second album didn't surprise me in the least do you know what i mean right. it was like yeah, yeah. Cool. That makes absolute sense. Whereas for some (laughs) people, whereas for some people, it was like, "What the fuck is this? This isn't metal." (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, (coughs) at the time where we live, a lot of the bands were really taking on the the Metallica sound, and we even are definitely have that influence with the you know the guitars and and uh, a lot of the aspects of it, but what we respected about that particular band most uh was they were original they kind of created that sound and then it became a sound and lots of other people did it and and i'm not knocking anybody because actually i love some of the bands that came after metallica even more than them than what i did and and then after a certain point i kind of fell off with with metallica even too you know i got just interested in a lot of other stuff and just kind of sort of forgot about it but what i loved about them and what i think inspired mordred was that we were always looking to create our own thing Yeah, like we were influenced yeah. a lot the the let's face it the thrash metal thing really was was born because punk rock was dying out and all the punks came over to this new kind of like thrash metal thing, uh, speed metal, whatever it was at the time and brought with them a lot of, um, I don't know what, how to describe it exactly, but just mannerisms maybe where, you know, it was more about less about the uniform and, and more about the individuality of what you were doing. So, yeah. um, so that was, a, a, just a, a, a theme constantly. And also, like, you know, things like you don't dress up in spandex and put on all these um, outfits for your show. You wear what you would wear every day. Yeah. And I know you wear a suit with pink shorts and a pink top <laughs> every day. I, so. I've
0: only ever worn that once, you cheeky fucker. <laughs> <laughs> But I, but I know what you mean. It was really appealing back in the day, like seeing bands like, for instance, we always you know, we always said Metallica's image was having no image. It was right. like it was like because they wore the same shit we did. And it's like the fact that it was like the ripped jeans and like as in ripped, as in they're fucked, as in that's not as a design, in, you know, as in
1: like, you don't have five dollars because that's what it was back in the day to buy a yeah. damn pair of jeans or you just didn't yeah. care. Or you slept over and that's what's happened. But the thing about that was that you you didn't dress up and try and be something that you're not. I don't know how to there wasn't a um, there was a uniform for sure. It was the leather jacket, the white high tops, the peg pants. So you were kind of like that. But it was kind of like taken from the Ramones that yeah. whole that whole yeah. thing and, and good the Ramones, call. good call, the, yeah the ramones were still playing at the time so we could actually go see them play and they were playing like every year we'd go see oh, them play no. i'd seen them a bunch of times i love them and um so the, like the ramones was a huge influence on thrash metal so yeah. was you know um like the dead kennedys for sure was a was oh hell a yeah but they were big, the they were a big
0: influence on me the dead kennedys yeah real big influence well that's where that's where i stole the album moshkinstein from you know fr- fr- <laughs> frank franken christ so they oh. the oh fr- they yeah so it was like okay they took the front half of frankenstein so i'll take they they took franken i'll take stein you know and and chucked mosh on them you know moshkins and there you
1: go yeah it's brilliant it's fucking brilliant (laughs) it was robbery it was fucking robbery no no, it's not that's inspiration (laughs) see um there's a difference between plagiarism and inspiration
0: and if you
1: if you straight like lenny kravitz he plagiarized a lot of shit like you could listen (laughs) to his songs and be like oh that's earth wind and fire Oh, that's Stevie Wonder, um, you know, superstitious, you know, he straight lifted stuff, but there's a, there, and he made it okay to do that. After he did that, a lot of people did that.
0: I just like to say, I just like to say to my lawyers that that is Scott Holderby of Mordred saying all of that, not me.
1: Yeah. So inspiration is not um, a liable offense. You can be inspired and they've even gone in so far as to say, you cannot, you can trademark licks, you can trademark yeah. lyrics, but you can't trademark any kind of musical notes or um, chords because they've all been played before, because there's yeah. only a finite amount of notes on a guitar. So you're somewhere in between there. So, yeah, you're creating something new, but you're building on the foundation of what's come before you for, you know, a good hundred years on us. Yeah. Yeah, so thrash metal was a hundred years of building. There you go. To get to that, you know, and to get to something so heavy, and I think it also appealed. Punk rock and uh, thrash metal appealed to me because you frightened the general public. It wasn't something that like was accepted. You see, stupid like elements of it on TV in or on movies from back in the day, where they kind of took things from the style. But they did not understand what they were doing. Nobody had a clue what was really going on. And to be a part of that, it's kind of like the Western swing thing. We all created something that is now a traditional style of music. And like, you know, my kid plays it. He's, you know, he's doing something more on the punk side, but he's carrying on tradition. And a lot of young people in our area. Are making thrash bands and there's like a whole new scene going on of uh, uh, 18 to 20 cool, year man. olds and and punks too. They're reviving or or um creating their new version of and it's kind of their kind of peace punks, which you know it's ha- it makes me happy to, to to see which you know, peace punk would be sort of a you know conflict and uh flux of pink indians omega tribe and like right, the crass yeah. bands and you know discharge i guess would even qualify as that and those kind of bands um yeah so for me i'm really happy right now about what's going on because i can go and see my son's bands play and uh, like he just opened up for doa which i was oh, totally nerdy man. fanboying over and yeah. you know i'm it's before the show, and I'm talking to Joey Shithead, and I bought War on Forty Five again on CD because I wore yeah. it out. I can't even find it anymore, so I'm like, "Well, I'm gonna buy it again." So I'm like, "Hey, dude, you want to sign this?" And he's like, eh, "Whatever." And then my son walks up, and he goes, "Hey, Joey, that's my dad." And he goes, "Oh, that's your dad? He became a completely different person." And I'm like, "Oh." So now my kid gives me the little bit of clout that I might be, yeah, <laughs> to get, get someone to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, basically,
0: basically, your kid's important. You're not. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, I gotta, you know, someone's gotta <laughs> pay for the gas for him to get to the gig. <laughs> uh, that
0: that's awesome, man. That is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah, I and mean, I and mean, something you were saying earlier, I have to. It's been whirling around in my head for a while. Um, when we were talking about the, uh, the fairy dust and the, uh, and you were like, you know, the, the
1: voodoo. um, Yeah. The red powder.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? That is a great, that is a great way of summing up the, the vibe of the dark parade for me is that there is kind of like a sort of voodoo kind of vibe running, running all the way through it from the artwork through not all of the songs, but a few. So that kind of just influences the whole the vibe of the whole piece. Um,
1: and and- it's, a, it's kind of a period piece in a way and sort of a concept record. It's loosely, um, without being totally political about what's going on now, we find a lot of similarities about the last era of the Robert Barons, which was the turn of the last century. And so a lot of the inspiration and the motifs and the um, the, the the content in the songs, I guess, have um, a nod to if not are completely you know in that period. But it's a it's I mean I guess it sounds lame to say, but it's a metaphor for what's going on today. With the second period of robber baronism, which I don't know if you experience it the way we do over here, but basically there's a wealth gap that's become so stark and glaring that, um, you know, really they've squeezed everyone below a certain money level and and bled all of us to increase the wealth of the very, very few Oligarchs, I guess you'd say. You know, you hear all this, uh, you know, talk on the news about the Russian oligarchs and this, but they never really say the American oligarchs or the British oligarchs. And well, let's face it, um, you know, it's we're, we're we're beyond oligarchy. We're in kakistocracy, which is the uh that's actually a song lyric on the ep but it's actually ruled by the worst possible humans
0: I, I remember actually because i think i think we actually ended up we actually ended up discussing the word the last time you were on because you were you were mighty you were mighty pleased that you'd managed to cram that as a lyric <laughs> cram that into a lyric
1: <laughs> that's true it's like how do you throw cacistocracy in yeah a song?
0: yeah yeah yeah
1: well you say fuck aristocracy yeah exactly yeah
0: exactly and you know what and you know what you motherfucker you made me go and look it up I, honestly I, first time at first time i heard that tune i was like because you know what it's like you know as singers yeah. and, and lyric writers you you're a word collector as well yes and you definitely. hear a, you hear a word and you're like what the fuck
1: <laughs> and you're like did he did he make that up because sometimes in rap music they make up things to rhyme yeah we
0: well, say, it again, what like, it? say it again what was it say again what was it
1: Cacistocracy. now you see the
0: reason i had to look it up was because um as as you may well know one of the many words that we have for shit is cack oh that's right so a cacistocracy is a shitistocracy it's just so a it's
1: very very similar even in slang um, to what what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. shit is shitistocracy, basically <laughs> that's <laughs> like scat opera. Yes, there you it's go. Yeah that when in, in, in uh, when they were talking about what is scat opera and uh they'd be like well opera something beautiful and and then scat you know shit so it's like shit opera. Yeah <laughs> Uh, well, look, I've got some, um, I've got some questions
0: from uh, subscribers here that I want to, um, that they'd like me to put you to. So, okay. To. So here All we right. go. So, first one is from Paul Hutchings, and Paul says, "Thanks, Scott, for a cracking album last year. The Dark Parade was on regular play after release. I'd like to ask a serious oh. question. We've had Thank two, you. Um, we, we've had two high-profile high deaths in the rock and metal community." Um, which come on the back of a run of other musicians taking their own lives in recent years. Um, yeah. How do you deal with the pressures that are clearly a huge issue for many musicians?
1: Well, I, I don't, I don't know how I deal with things necessarily, except I have a good family structure around me. Uh, my son is a musician. My wife, her brothers are musicians and studio engineers and all the people in my adopted family and stuff i have a lot of support so if you know if i'm down or feeling down or whatever or you know going through a hard time it's noticeable to the people around me and they step in immediately and intervene so having that is is really Good for me, and I'm lucky to have that. But um, it's legal now here in California, so I could just say that I'm a I'm an advocate for cannabis, and yeah. uh, that's what we call it now. That's the yeah the cool little legal <laughs> thing. Back in the day, I sold weed, but now I'm an advocate for cannabis.
0: So, so by that, do you mean um, from a men- so that's that's helped with your mental health? Because I know, like you oh, know, weed, weed, weed can be attributed. You know, some people attribute it to to weed to being you know creating issues with mental health but you use oh. it to treat it
1: yeah well um, if you're not already crazy like i am legally <laughs> i don't know i'm not saying and i'm not any kind of medical professional prescribing anything i'm just saying what is kept me very you know level all these years and it also keeps you from like a drinking too much which could be a big problem in this business yeah it's but, so accessible you know every single night you're in a place and every single night it's a new group of people that want to just hang out with you and but, stuff. but and also so
0: but also every single night and you it's...
1: only take a, two shots of liquor instead of yeah. Or 10, but also
0: or every night it's a different venue it's a different dressing room and in that dressing room they put crates of drugs for you mm. you know it's booze it's it's acceptable it's you know it people, is
1: and and yeah that that
0: for me is the, is, so is the one you've got to really avoid
1: i think the thing is with that is the the knowing your dosage of anything liquor included And, um, sure. There's a bottle of Jameson's in the room every night when you get done playing and it's all in the amount that you ingest Mm -hmm. and the amount of time that it takes that you can, you can do it and be level, but not everyone can do it. And that's why not everyone could be a touring musician too. There are so many ways to fall off and so many traps to, to get caught in yeah. and um, you know that having having a good family and you know brotherhood friend uh, bandmate situation is everything and and if you have struggles and stripes with individuals in your band that just could lead to all sorts of dark feelings and and bad yeah. things and yeah. so I, I think What's nice, and, and I, I feel like you feel like this too, is that you and I both approach this in a similar way, in that we want to have fun. Yeah. And we want to have the people who come and see us have fun. That's the feeling. Like, of course, you want to, oh, this is a sad song. Oh, this is a, um, you know, a triumphant song or whatever the fuck it is. It doesn't yeah. matter. But yeah. you're, you're having a good time and the people who see you like, Oh my God, I haven't seen you in however long. And this was so great. You give everything. And it doesn't matter how, if it's 60 people or 600 people or 6,000, yeah. you're giving your all every night. And, uh, and I respect that about you. And I try and Thank do you. that myself.
0: Yeah. And, and, and that's, that, that's completely borne out by what I've seen as well. And I think, um, as long as you, it, I, I think you know, pressures on everybody from a mental health point of view, you know, vary, um, and um, unfortunately, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's so much people in bands. I think it's people of an artistic nature. No, tend, you're right.
1: You know, yeah, absolutely. It's that it's overthinking. It's that constant of pain. Yeah,
0: yeah it's that constant battle.
1: Sometimes being creative in whatever art form that you do is a way to express the pain that you you have. And and drugs are also the way to express pain, especially opiates. But
0: well, mask pain. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. Well, express. Yeah. You're right. Mask pain. You're, you're, you're right about that. Yeah. But you would, the cause would be the same, but yeah, yeah. The effect is different. Um, you can channel that same energy, um, Into a healthier form of expression like, you know, um, you know, music or art. And unfortunately, I, I see in the world trouble and strife as a direct result of the loss of of teaching music in schools and children aren't growing up anymore understanding music and even if you're not yeah lost connection
0: yeah that's it. sorry it's my my phone started talking to me for some reason
1: <laughs> wanted sorry. to get in there hi phone. sorry man. we're not we're not yeah. forgetting you, you she can tell us something later
0: it's a it's a it's Alexa feeling left out um so i've got an, i've got um, another question here and this one is from carl now um carl says. And he's quoting me at the start, which is quite uncomfortable for me to read. So just, you know, (laughs) Howard recently said, "Uh oh, here comes, here comes some meaning. What did he talk? Here comes some meaningless (laughs) rubbish. Um, Howard recently said, you start out with big ideas. They don't always turn out the way you first thought, but you start out with big ideas. That's my quote. Mordred, I've I've never been shy of a big idea for a project. If money was no object, what big ideas would you put forward at the next band brainstorm?
1: Well, we would do a series of um, episodes of um, acting a fool because with with an unlimited budget, and then included in that would probably be our next record because, you know, we like to budget everything into our unlimited budget there. Yeah. Yeah. Can <laughs> but, you,
0: could you explain to everybody who's not aware of what acting the fool is, what it, uh, you know, what it is.
1: All right. So when, when COVID hit and everybody was locked down and um, nobody could tour, nobody could play live. You were basically pretty much restricted to your house. Yeah. We, um, and so, uh, A lot of our friends are, um, you know, in the movie business and um, we're also home off work. So we were able to kind of put together a variety show that included um, comedians and, of course, Mordred um, playing songs. But we also had like a burlesque dancer each time you know giving us the art of burlesque which is beautiful and uh we would do random sort of i don't know if you call them skits or bits or or sketches sketches that's it yeah Yeah. so we did a couple of takeoffs on um you know film trailers like yeah instead of taxi driver it was lift driver and our our drummer jeff was the lift driver and it was kind of that was the first one and then we got a little more elaborate and did um, the um, Unusual Suspects.
0: Thing. <laughs> right, okay.
1: And then we did um, uh, like a, a Reservoir Dogs kind of take off. It was Dimebag Dogs, because anything violent, we turn into weed, you know? So instead right, okay. of like a, a violent criminal act, it's like it, it becomes a, a, a like a, a random stoner act. Right. So, you know, it, it's just our way of like, you know, we're trying to have fun with it yeah and um we do it to amuse ourselves and our friends and i think that if i had an unlimited budget yeah. We would we would buy a, a spot and just have that set up so that we could just shoot that anytime we wanted to. Because that is really fun.
0: And do you know what? Do you know what? That that is so Mordred, you know, it's it's like it's a cabaret. There's music. There's there's <laughs> there's there, you know, there's performers, there's burlesque. And you know what? I'm absolutely positive that if if Acid Rain got together at our next brainstorm and we have an unlimited budget, it would just be, let's make a jackass movie.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, H, H, you actually were part of my inspiration in what well, I did on the pit. show. No, because a lot of people might not know this about H but he's a comedian as well. <laughs> and um when we were I think it was the either the first or the second show I was like, you know, please send me over that video that you just shot where you guys were all like in the tub and Oh and, god, um, yeah. <laughs> like in covid times and stuff and because yes. we were all going through the same thing everywhere in the world together. Yes. And you know, we were in communication you and I during yeah. that time and everything. Um, but that's when you really realize, like, you know, appreciate the important things in life because you never know what could come and take that away. Yeah. Yeah. You know? and,
0: and the thing is, and I really appreciate it because we, you know, we, we kept our communication up over, over lockdown and, you know, you came on, um, I started doing the, the Saturday night in with H and you came on one week as a guest as well. And, I, and, and the, the thing is, um, and sometimes I feel sometimes I kind of feel I, I kind of feel guilty that um, I was doing that for me. Do you know what I mean? I was doing yeah. that to, you know, for, for, and, and everybody messages and they say like, oh, thank you so much. That, or, you know, those, those shows meant so much to me. And I kind of feel
1: guilty because I'm like, well, you know, you're welcome. But I was doing it for me. Right. But, <laughs> you, you know? know, the thing is, you you can you can feel feel good about other people appreciating what you do, even though create something with your own amusement in, 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 in mind. Yeah. (laughs) The fact that others could be amused as well is very, well, I mean, I guess it's, it's both humbling. And at the same time, it, it, makes you feel like you could do it more like yeah empowering i guess is the word i'm looking for it's
0: it's heartwarming as well i think you know yeah it it, it really is it really is and like like after after the shows sometimes i'd end up staying and messaging with people i think you and i we we, you know the show finished but we just carried on chatting same same with um bobby gustafson i had him on and it was just like absolutely hilarious I mean every time, every time I said, oh, I've got another, I've got another question about um I've got another question about overkill Bobby. <laughs> and and he'd just go, no. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah um but yeah it's it, it was it was great times and i and i really appreciated you coming on and um and so did everybody on the um you know on the site and look i want to thank you coming on for coming on the um the podcast oh, as well and jumping on it always which a is pleasure. awesome and i know you're i know you're flying off to, to go gigging and it's always a pleasure for me as well mate you're one of my favorite people to talk to and i um i'm gonna get you on a lot a lot sooner um you know maybe once a
1: month Oh wow! I'm getting a monthly slot, folks. Did you hear that? I better come up with some good material.
0: <laughs> uh, well, look, man. Look, congratulations on the album. Um, everything well, thank you're doing, you so much. Give my love yeah. to the
1: boys, and um, you know, you take care, dude. And same here. Um, you know, give our best to your boys as well. And we'll one of these days, you and I, we're gonna do some shows together.
0: We are. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. That's a fact.
1: Yeah, because Absolutely. this is too much fun and we need yeah. to make it last like at least five days, right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely.
0: All right, man. Excellent. Well, thanks, okay, H. It's
1: really good to speak with you.
0: And you, mate. Bye,
1: everyone out there in TV land or <laughs> computer land and, uh, and <laughs> podcast now. land. See podcast you later. Land. <laughs> Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: And there you have it. There is our interview. That was just a really, really relaxed chat between two old friends who both have kind of a similar role, but very different in different countries. But there's a real—I don't know—there's a real sense of um, of camaraderie and family whenever I speak to Scott. Um, and um, and right at the end there, yeah, we've got to do some shows together. I mean, I, I I think it'd be awesome. I would love to take that, you know, through the through the UK and Ireland. Um, Acid Rain and Mordred playing together, man, that would be so much fun. And um, I hope, and I hope you enjoyed that as well. We, you know, we we did kind of wander around all over the place, um, but that's kind of the nature of a podcast interview, the the long form interview. And also, as I've always said, and it bears repeating, when I first started doing this, I wanted to try and get, I wanted to try and deliver interviews that that um, that would be that you'd want to hear no matter who was being interviewed. So like, you know, if it's the, you know, you, you've heard this guy interviewed loads of times, but hopefully, you know, you, I'm going to get something different. Um, so I'm just try to have a conversation and just, you know, wander around the conversational landscape and see where it takes us. Uh, anyway, you know this, you, you you know, you've just listened to the bloody interview um, and, you know, you're a listener so you have an idea of what to expect, obviously. Um, but yeah, really, really enjoy doing that. And, and along those lines of um, having something to, you know, uh, look forward to, there's going to be more episodes coming, as there always is. I, I, I mean, I don't know why I said that, to be honest. There's always more episodes coming, isn't there? Always. I mean, on this, on this podcast feed, you get talking bollocks, you get movie bollocks... And you get old bollocks. I mean, all the bollocks anybody could bloody want, really, isn't it? So, I'll tell you what. Why don't you spread the news? Tell some people that, hey, it's really cool. Come listen to the podcast. If you're already listening and you think it's cool. Seriously, the Patreon thing is very cool. Um, I would say a good 90% of people who sign up um, stay And there's loads of stuff there. There's a, there's a, um, I mean, I'm posting um, content all the time, but there's a a monthly live Zoom podcast. There is a monthly radio show. There is this thing called album review breakdowns where I break down classic albums. Um, And yeah, just there's all sorts honestly you get the you get this podcast early you get an opportunity to ask the questions as you heard great questions from carl and paul there you know that could have been you that could have been you click on the link in the podcast description join patreon and there it is or go to patreon.com forward slash howard h smith give it a try for a month it's six dollars it's not going to kill you you know so anyway there you go unless you've got more important things to spend your money on in which case i totally understand just keep listening, please, alright, anyway guys, um, always a pleasure, never a chore, tell everyone about this fucking podcast, and let's get, let's, let's, let's get it huge, let's get really, really big, yeah, so it's like, literally, you know, there is fucking, I'm trying to remember his name, Joe, the big podcaster, now I've said that, I'm like, Rogan, there you go, Joe Rogan, the, um, the conspiracy theory spouting knobhead, yeah, um, let's let's see if, let's see if I can get as, as many listeners as it. Yeah, it's all right. Don't worry about it. Just just tell your mates it'll be okay. Thanks for your help. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.